So Phil, thank you for joining me again. This is uh, embarrassing. You know, I had you on the line for like an hour yesterday. We talked about a bunch of different things and got done with our interview and I uploaded it and I was listening to it and I was like, why does it sound so horrible? And your stuff sounded great, but my stuff, I was like, what on earth is going on? And I, <clears throat> I tried to recreate it this morning. I was sending out messages to everybody like, help me fix this thing. I don't get it. I was trying to recreate it this morning and I was recording and playing stuff back. And then I realized, oh, it wasn't using this microphone. I was talking into this microphone for an hour yesterday. That's all set up, but it was pulling the audio from the laptop, like sitting a few feet away from me. So that's why it sounded like I was in a echo chamber. So thank you for jumping back on. Oh, no problem. I just, just so anybody who's uh, watching this, uh, if at any point something I say doesn't make sense, just know that yesterday it was this beautiful oratory. Way better. Yes. Everything was so. way better. So, but we're deleting that. So no chance of <laughs> pulling that out of the archives. Well, hey, um, man, this is a, a lot of fun to be able to talk to you about this kind of stuff. We're doing interviews called Ordinary Ambassadors. Uh, I guess my first question out of the gate is, how does that strike you? You know, so you've been in different church settings and, uh, you know, different environments. But for you and your wife, what is it like to be a part of a church where we talk about being ordinary ambassadors? Um, is it exciting? Is it annoying? Is it overwhelming? How does that, how does that feel to you guys? Well, it, it's maybe all of those, not minus the annoying. It, it can, it can feel overwhelming, but exciting. Um, but I think it's an important concept for us to uh, grab hold of. Uh, when you talk about ministry mission, it's really easy to just look at um, the church staff and say, that's, that's what they do. Maybe occasionally I have a chance to say something to somebody, you know, but for the most part, it's just about me, you know, taking in what you preach on Sunday, you know, maybe having, you know, a small group study or something like that and building my, my faith up. And then that's, you know, sort of the, totally encompasses all of what we think about in terms of our spiritual life, but it misses a whole aspect and, and, thinking about it as being on mission or being um, ambassadors uh, changes our focus. That means that everywhere we go, everything that we do is an opportunity uh, to advance the gospel and do something for Christ. And so I, so that's exciting, but as I said, it can feel overwhelming as well, especially if we're not used to thinking in terms of. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you say that, you know, we talk about it, we preach about it, but I'm glad you're not like, oh man, you're asking me to speak into something that we're not super thrilled on. But yeah, I love the idea of church being about ordinary individuals doing ordinary life, but with gospel intentionality. And so I appreciate that you think in that way and you're, um, you know, seeking to live in that, in that way. And uh, I, I hope that people are blessed by, by our conversation. So you have a really fascinating backstory. You've been in a lot of different environments, you know, you, you studied and practiced law, then you made a vocational change and you studied and practiced theology. You were in pastoral ministry for a season, and then um, you're now working at a library. And so 
I mean, I'm sure, uh, you know, people who are watching this are probably like, huh, how did that happen? You know, what was the transition? So I'd love for you to tell us a little bit about that most recent change from pastoral ministry over to where you're at now. Yeah. So, um, I was the associate pastor at a church, um, and, uh, the senior pastor, uh, decided, uh, he, it, that God was leading him uh, to a different area. So he was moving. And uh, as I reflected on that, I realized that, you know, a senior pastor position was not something that would be a good fit for me. Um, I didn't really know if the church was going to uh, ask me if, if I wanted to do that. But as I thought about it, I said, I knew that that wasn't going to be uh, a really good fit. And uh, in large part, because unlike you, you know, preaching was just not something I, you know, felt like I had been gifted or, or called to. Uh, I certainly did it, but it just, you know, uh, my passions lied elsewhere. And uh, I, I also thought about it and said, you know, this is probably a way of God saying it's time for us to step aside from the church so that they could uh, focus on what they wanted to do in terms of staffing, whether they wanted to use this as a time to change the structure to just go to a senior pastor, uh, no associate pastor, uh, without having to feel like they were somehow, uh, you know, uh, hurting me if they did that. So Jenny and I made the decision to, uh, uh, to move in a different direction. I assumed at the time that God would lead me to a, another uh, ministry position. Uh, but as we were waiting for that to happen, I, I took a a job, part-time job at the library in Janesville, and I was working in the CERC department. And, uh, you know, just over time, uh, God didn't seem to be leading in another, uh, leading me to another ministry position. So I, I took up uh, another uh, role in the youth services department at the library. Um, did that for a number of years, uh, doing uh, story times for, uh, four-year-olds, which was uh, something new for me, uh, and then uh, just working in other areas in that department, and then uh, an opening in the adult programming department opened up, uh, and so I moved into the adult programmer, so I now, uh, you know, line up the speakers and uh, plan other programs for the adults, because uh, we don't want kids to, to just have all the educational and fun opportunities, so I get to plan those things for, for grownups. Uh, and, and so that's kind of uh, maybe a, a not so quick version of how I got here, but uh, at no point on the road did I, you know, kind of draw this up and say, this is, you know, what I'm planning. Uh, but it did seem to be where, where God was leading. And uh, so that an unexpected transition in roles, but that's where God has me right now. Yeah. I'm, you know, as I hear you recount all of that and I'm, I've heard it before, but um, man, I'm just imagining that was probably pretty hard, right. To make those transitions of, you know, going from pastoral ministry and then into a part-time job, which I'm sure you never thought like, man, this is, I'm kind of heading toward the dream job. Uh, was that hard for you guys? Uh, it was hard. Um, Probably initially in the transition, um, it wasn't, 
uh, because it seemed like, you know, uh, that, that, that made a lot of sense. So um, it was something, you know, it's always easier when God's leading you in a direction that makes sense to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's, that's kind of that. But as, as nothing else was kind of happening in that, in the ministry direction, uh, you know, you start to wonder what's going on. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so that, that is hard when you don't know kind of what God has next for you and you're, and, and you're, you feel like you're continuing to wait and wait. Um, but then, you know, so, so that, that waiting period is difficult, but then once, once I think we realize that, you know, this, this was the next stage of the journey, um, you know, there comes there comes a, a, an acceptance, and then hopefully an, an embracing that, uh, mm-hmm. and you find other ways to use your gifting, uh, yeah. skill. Yeah, because you were, I mean, you were writing theological stuff. I mean, when you and I first met, you were kind of neck deep in an online theological journal. Then I think later on, you moved into the you know kind of into that realm of writing a systematic theology two volume devotional book. And so you, you've continued to kind of leverage the gift mix and the calling that God has for you, but in a new way. Um, I was thinking through, you know, I think a lot of people kind of land in a position in a job where they might say, this isn't my dream job. And so they almost kind of take a break from thinking about what God would want them to do in that moment. And they, you know, they can almost think like, well, this is just a stepping stone to whatever's next. So I don't really have to invest here or be intentional here. Did you ever feel any of that? I guess in one sense, uh, I viewed the job at the library as um, just an ordinary job, something to, to do, you know, until I, I found something else. Um, so there is a sense in which you are you're just thinking about, you know, getting the job done, going home, you know, you, you don't think much uh, beyond it. Um, I did have the benefit of, you know, because I felt like God had gifted me and called me in a certain direction that I was looking for other ways to, to use those gifts and, the, and those skills that I had developed in the ways that you had talked about. So I was thinking about it in that direction, okay. but as it related to work, it was just kind of, this is something to, uh, you know, if we're talking about life on mission, I didn't really think about it that much. It was just, yeah. My mission field is writing and this is my job and you keep those separate. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, talk to me a little bit about your, your gift mix. You know, you've, you've confessed to me, you've said it like this, I'm not an evangelist, you know, so you're not kind of walking around thinking through how do I share the the gospel. And you've also talked about your temperament. I mean, you just kind of mentioned that work ethic of I'll put my head down, I'll do my job, I'll get done and go home. So you've, you've kind of expressed to me that there are some kind of personal challenges to being on mission. Do you want to speak into that? What are some of those things that you kind of perceive about yourself? Yeah. So, you know, I'm much more likely to although as, as you can probably already tell, I, you know, I can talk a lot, but I'm not necessarily this social person who is seeking out 
uh, personal interactions. Uh, I might talk somebody's ear off when I find myself in that, but I'm not necessarily looking for that. So as it comes to uh, sharing your faith or talking to people about their faith, um, you know, I may miss opportunities to do that uh, because I'm not looking for that. Okay. Um, and I, because of, you know, what I've studied, uh, uh, things I've been interested in, I'm more likely to want to delve uh, deeply into, you know, different apologetic questions, theological issues and things like that, which, especially in the workplace, most people aren't looking to, you know, to get into an extended discussion. Sure. About that. Yeah. So, um, you know, th those can be obstacles for me. And as I mentioned, it can be easy, I think, for any of us to fall into that, that pattern of, you know, I'm just here to do a job. Mm. You know, if, if something, if God, you know, uh, creates an opportunity, great. Uh, but for the most part, I'm just going to come in, do my work and go home. And when we think of what constitutes an opportunity, it's really, you know, somebody who, who out of the blue says, oh, can you tell me about Jesus? And that, that's what constitutes an opportunity. Sure. And kind therefore, of that big dramatic thing, yeah. Yeah. And therefore, there aren't that many opportunities. So sure. if, if that's my mindset, you know, that that's going to be, uh, you know, an obstacle because it doesn't happen very often. So you put all those together, you know, uh, it's, it's not, you know, it's not something I'm great at. So when you asked if I would be willing to talk about it, my first reaction was, you know, <laughs> I'm not really a good example of this. Uh, and uh, despite that, you, you still wanted me to come on and, and share all my favorites. Yeah, because, you know, I think it's important. I know so many of us struggle with a lot of the things you're describing, you know, not, not being uh, as strategic about those interactions with people not you know thinking that the opportunity to share the gospel comes in some big dramatic fashion and um also just feeling a little bit ill-equipped to do it you know for a variety of reasons so <clears throat> when we talked about this i was like you know what that's a good note to strike because there are so many other people in our church who feel that same way you know who would struggle with saying yeah i'm living on mission and i'm doing you know doing a great job at it like i i don't know if there's a bunch of us that can do that. So I, I appreciate your, your honesty. Um, let me ask this then, what are some things that you have done or could do that would help you to be more intentional on that front, you know, of, you know, just kind of some practical things maybe. Yeah. I think one thing that would be important for me to keep in mind, uh, is kind of what I, what I had alluded to, just a bit ago that, you know, an opportunity that the Holy Spirit might be presenting is not, this doesn't have to be this dramatic question that somebody asks or this obvious uh, question. And it doesn't have to lead to a sort of full-blown gospel presentation where the person accepts, puts their faith in Christ, you know, at the end of it. I, you know, most people, you know, any given person might be in different spots in their life and further away or closer. Um, and if we think of it, it, it just in terms of helping somebody take a step closer, I think we'll find more opportunities sure. um, than, than we might realize. And so I think redefining what is an opportunity and 
then committing to pay attention and looking for those opportunities, I think, you know, would be a key to um, doing a better job of living life on mission and being a better ambassador. Yeah, no, that's great because it is such a process. And, you know, some of us have that opportunity to be at the tail end where someone is making a decision, but usually you're right. There are so many little conversations along the way and little experiences along the way that make Christianity more attractive or plausible or, or whatever the case might be that that particular person needs. So I think just being aware that you could play a part in it, um, big or small, but along the way, it's going to be important that you're available. Um, <clears throat> I guess uh, I'd love to talk a little bit about, so you've mentioned to me before, when you were first at the library, you kind of had a, an MO, like everyone knew this is former pastor Phil, former attorney Phil. And so that probably almost gave you like a little bit of a, you know, on road to those sorts of conversations. Uh, has that kind of faded away now that you've been in this role for a long time? Uh, to some extent, some of the newer uh, staff members probably uh, aren't familiar with it, but there, there's still plenty of people that uh, kind of were there when I started and you know heard the and necessarily the rumors but you know heard heard word that hey we got this guy he's got this uh you say fascinating past uh, they, they might have used different adjectives to describe <laughs> it crazy or, or whatever and uh, you know so there's still plenty of people that are aware of that and uh kind of look at me you know through that lens hmm. uh, which you know you you had asked, uh, you know, you know, I talked about the challenges, but you know, that actually is one of the opportunities that I've been able to have, not necessarily in having full-blown spiritual conversations, but more in the realm of uh, sort of breaking uh, misconceptions about what it means to be uh, a Christian. And oddly enough, those, a lot of those have come from some political discussions that happen. So again, in the workplace, you know, you don't have a lot of those conversations because people are, you know, you know, they're reluctant to get any anything too controversial. But at different points in times, when you know the uh, you know the the news and that it's it's an election cycle or something like that, mm -hmm. they're bound to pop up. Sure. And. Um, you know, so people knowing my background, knowing that I come from, a, you know, a more evangelical Christian perspective and that, you know, that forms an image in their mind and, and they have this set of, so he's going to think this, he's going to be this way. And, uh, you know, as we had those political conversations, I think people were able to say, well, he's much more level-headed, respectful of my position he really wants to know why you know what i think or why um he's not just you know throw you know forcing his opinion down my throat um you know i i think that helps them to look at me and hopefully other believers in a different way uh in a, in a, in a related sort of thing as they watched me do my job and interact with patrons you know, uh, especially in the youth service department, as I would do stories and I could be silly um, and have an opportunity to treat all families with respect and 
help everybody, you know, regardless of what their situation might be. Again, that maybe challenges a sort of, you know, preconception of, of, you know, what I might have been like. Hmm. Uh, and again, those in and of themselves aren't, you know, enough. Nobody's going to become a believer uh, as a result of having a preconception, you know, shattered. But that can be the opening that leads to another conversation that can lead to, or if it's not me having that conversation with somebody else that they meet and maybe they're more open to it because they say, oh, maybe I shouldn't just dismiss, you know, their perspective just because they're uh, come from an evangelical perspective. Yeah. And <clears throat> that's so much better than reinforcing their, their preconceptions, you know, of like, oh, Christians are you know, rude and mean and dismissive of other opinions and, you know, stoic and unable to be compassionate, you know, some of those things that maybe did get toppled down by observing you. So I do think that's a beautiful thing. And, and I think Christians right now, especially, you know, given everything that's happened in the last 12 months and just kind of the tone and the vibe of the discussions in the political square, I do think we have to pay attention to what you just talked about, you know, the, the idea of civility and compassion and rationality of just kind of being able to have those kinds of conversations where we, we might be talking to a coworker who is totally opposite from us on all the issues that everyone's up in arms about. And uh, to be able to do that in a way where they don't feel like they're the villain or they're the, you know, demon and to talk to them like a human being and to do that with respect. I do think that goes a long ways right now. Um, I think it does again, because it, and, it, and I'm sure it goes both ways, but I mean, people have preconceived notions of what um, Christians are like. If they're not a Christian, they, they have these, um, and it's a mixed bag of some truth and, and some false notions. Um, and it, one of the biggest is irrationality. They, many people see our faith as having no basis in reality. Mm. And so as, an, as we can show them that we are level-headed, rational people in other respects, mm -hmm. it makes it harder for them to dismiss us when we talk about our faith. And um, also, I think, unfairly in many respects, but I think, you know, a lot of people see uh, Christians as being mean-spirited. Mm -hmm. uh, they might not be wrong either. Well, and, and in some cases, but I think certainly not in all cases, but they, sure. they, they paint with a broad brush mm -hmm. because they've had that experience with somebody. Mm -hmm. And uh, that that makes it that much harder for us to talk to them. And if we can, again, give them another way of looking to say, well, yeah, I still disagree with them that, that, you know, they still disagree with us perhaps, but they at least walk away from conversations that we have in all range of topics as, but they were genuinely interested in, in what I thought and treated me with respect and, uh, you know, and I think that's important because it's not just a strategic, you know, thing that we do. You know, when we interact with other people, there's somebody who has created in the image of God. Mm. And I think we need to remember that and um, 
you know, treat them with respect and uh, with a certain hopefulness that as we have civil conversations that we might be able to impact them uh, in various ways and hopefully, again, help them take a small step towards, towards Christ. Yeah, no, that's, been, <clears throat> that's been a great theme in our conversation today of just the, the ability for kind of ordinary conversations, whether it's in the workplace or even with family at, you know, get togethers or things like that. Um, the, the content of the conversation, but the, the vibe of it as well, I think has an opportunity to influence. So I'd love to um, just kind of play the, the tape forward a little bit and just think through, okay, if, if you're doing this really well, if other believers are doing this really well in your place of employment, like what are, what are some of the things that we could, you know, pray toward and hope toward uh, would come true if this were, you know, we were living on mission, being really strategic and intentional, living life with our eyes open, caring for people right in front of us? What do you, what do you imagine that could look like? Well, I mean, if, if, you know, as a church, you know, not just little C, but big C, if we could, uh, all of us, you know, embrace that idea of being, living life on mission and, you know, treating, you know, all of our conversations as in, in some sense, an opportunity to advance the gospel. You know, I think, non-Christians would have a transformed uh, view of us and they would uh, uh, more often come to us for uh, guidance and support and uh, to answer some tough questions about life, which would then give us an opportunity as we sort of reach out to them in those arenas that you know other conversations could open up uh, so that we'd have people who are, you know, feeling loved and supported and ultimately giving us uh, a hearing on our faith and ultimately having, you know, a large number of those people um, turning to Christ as a result of it. Mm. Um, you know, you know, I don't know if that's concrete enough, but, you know, that, that kind of thing, it's difficult. Um, but, you know, that would be my hope that we'd see more of that if we could, you know, embrace this idea of being ambassadors. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. I mean, that's what we're trying to do. That's what this is all about is just trying to make it concrete and real and be honest about the challenges of it, but uh, committed to the beauty of what it could become if we would live in this sort of way. So I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me about it today, Phil. Um, it's always a joy. I'm always encouraged when I spend a few moments with you online or in person. Um, and to those of you that are watching, thank you guys for listening in today. We hope that this has been a blessing. Take care.